I bring you greetings from Pastor Rod. I've been in contact with him, and uh, he is just delighted to have a little time away with his family on this study break, and he's been texting me about some of his ideas for the fall. So God is uh, working in his heart on our behalf. And as always, it's a joy to be with you. The closest thing I can liken this to is for about 10 years, I was uh, broadcasting on uh, the radio station there in Orange County. And so I kind of feel that way this morning that I'm talking to you through your radios and then some folks live out there in the South 40. Uh, I want to begin with uh, uh, a question that I've been asked, oh, I don't know, many, many times over the last three or four months since this uh, COVID uh, event has uh, transpired. And the question is this, have you ever seen it like this before? And my stock answer, to, answer is, oh, yes. I, I am somewhat a student of history, both secular and biblical history. And so I have that in mind as a resource. But I'm now in the eighth decade of my life. That means I am older than most of you and not quite as old as Moses. But uh, in the eighth decade of my life, I just kind of recount the decades. And so I think about uh, being born in 1939. That was at the conclusion of the Second World War, of the beginning of the uh, Second World War. It broke out in the 40s uh, with the bombing of, uh, of uh, Hawaii and uh, Oahu. And uh, 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 we were engaged in a war. That war cost a half a, half a million American lives and untold damage in Japan and in Europe. Uh, then, uh, during uh, that period of time, I'm growing up in grammar school, and by the time I reached high school, which would be in the 1950s, the Korean War conflict has broken up. 50,000 American lives were lost in that war, and there was carnage all over uh, the Asian continent, particularly in North and South Korea. The Communist Party had uh, armies had come down from China and engaged uh, the U.S. in combat, in South Korean combat. So the 50s were not as placid as some people would lead you to believe. Then I also think about uh, the 60s. Uh, I uh, began pastoring in 1965 in the city of Orange. The Vietnamese War had broken out. 50,000 American soldiers died in that conflict. There were race riots. There were riots against the war. The whole psychedelic movement uh, had come into play. Uh, the Free Love Society uh, was in full bloom, if you will. And uh, the immoral life of America and around the world was as depraved as it is today. Uh, the 70s saw the resignation of President Nixon. Uh, it was a difficult time in America. There were oil embargoes, and we had to stand in line, and we could buy gasoline only every other day. And it went by your license plate, whether it was odd number or an even number. And there was shortages 
uh, and it was not an easy time. And then I think about uh, the the 80s and uh, uh, the strategic defense initiative and the fear of Russia and what was going on in the world then. It was, again, an epical period of time. Uh, the downfall of the uh, USSR and the wall comes down in Berlin, all during the 80s, a time of havoc and chaos. We move into the 90s. Again, war breaks out. We're in Southeast Asia uh, and in the Middle East. We're everywhere with our soldiers, and many, many lives are lost. And there is rioting. There is looting from time to time. We come then to the 2000s, and we started off with uh, Y2K, remember that? Uh, everything's going to come apart because the computers aren't going to work, and uh, we as a people panic. What will happen with Y2K? And then the infamous infamous date, 9-11, stands out in our minds, and the World Trade Centers are blown up by Arab radicals. And again, the, the nation is in turmoil. So we come now to COVID. Yes, it's bad, but the reality is it's more of the same. And when you study history, you discover it has always been more of the same. So the text I want us to look at this morning is found in the 13th chapter of the book of Romans. And it's written at a time when the church is being persecuted, when uh, it's difficult to be a Christ follower because of the opposition. And the pagan world is set against the church, as is even the religious world set against the church. It's against that backdrop. The Apostle Paul writes the book of Romans. It's a, a letter to a church a church that's uh, trying to have find its bearings in the world in, in which it is living. And so he writes these words beginning in the uh, eighth verse and down through the end of the chapter. He says, Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, uh, uh, <coughs> You will fulfill the requirements of God's law. For the commandments say, You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no, does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirements of the law. Uh, I especially want to take note of uh, the uh, uh, 11th verse where he writes, This is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is and time is running out. I want to entitle this message, It's Our Time. It's Our Time. As it was in Paul's day, it was time, it was the time for the New Testament church, as it has been down through the centuries. It's the time. It's the time for God's people everywhere. And so the alarm is sounded out again today. 
it's our time. You might ask, well, what does that look like? I believe, I believe it looks like this. It's our time to love profoundly. Uh, there are basically four ways in which we love. One is uh, a romantic love, and the music of our time and down through history has been all about romance. And it has an erotic uh, aspect to it. There's also a love which I would call common cause. I think about the guys I was working here with uh, Friday night. Uh, we had some excitement going on in the uh, 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 part of the building that will become the children's uh, 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 area in which they will meet. And there are several uh, rustic uh, structures in there made of plywood and uh, wood framing. And they're really solid. So uh, our task was to, uh, to, to begin the process of uh, demolishing those structures. Uh, working with me uh, was uh, Todd, our, pastor, uh, our parking lot pastor. Keith Land uh, was with me. Uh, Lee was here with his son uh, Harrison. Uh, Tom Latke was with me. And uh, so we were in that building uh, uh, destroying things. And when I was watching those guys, I think there's something in men that comes from being little boys. We just like to tear things apart. And these guys seem to really be enjoying themselves. It's, it's a love of common cause. Uh, then there's a, another kind of love. Uh, we'll call it a, a, a kind of a family love, the love we have for family members. And uh, maybe you remember this commercial, uh, a father and his two adult sons, uh, I would assume that they are in their uh, late 20s. They're sitting on a dock and they're fishing. And the, the uh, one brother has uh, some liquid refreshment in his hand, a can of liquid refreshment. The other brother puts his arm around uh, him and says, uh, I love you, brother. Uh, can I have your beer? And there's that kind of love that uh, we love people if, uh, if they're doing the things that we like. But it's always conditioned. It's a conditioned kind of love. And uh, so when I look at this text, teaches us that we are to love with a different kind of love, and that is a profound love. It's the love that God has for us. Now, in classical Greek, those four kinds of love would be uh, eros, which is erotic love. It would be sterico, the, the kind of love that we have in, uh, with team players in common cause. There would be a phileo. Phileo love is family love. But we come to that unique uh, New Testament word, agape. Now, agape is other person-centered. It's not about me. It's about you. Uh, it's not about uh, how others treat me, but it has to do with how I will treat others. It's God's love. It's the love of God that was manifested when the scripture says, while we were his enemies, he loved us. 
It's the love that was manifested in John 3.16 where it states that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, it's another kind of love. And thinking this through, uh, I was uh, thinking about who are the most difficult people in uh, our lives to love. And this may sound strange, but I'll tell you who the most difficult person for me to love in this fashion is Anita, my wife. We've been married 60 years. We dated a couple of years before that. But I'm going to tell you, because she's the one that goes to bed with me every night. I know more about her than anyone else, and she knows more about me than anyone else. So I can love at a distance. I can love at a distance. I, I, I can say, I love you. Can I have your beer? Uh, and that's not up close. That's not personal. But it's in family life. It's in those close relationships where our egos are on the line. And as long as our mates satisfy us romantically, as long as they're in common cause with us, as long as the happy holiday, we're all family. That's not hard to love that way. But I tell you, it is supernatural to love God's way. And I remind you of this, that the Bible says that God, by His Spirit, has caused His love to be poured out in our hearts. And we, if we be Christ followers, are capable of loving in a profound way. And it's our time to love one another in a profound way in God's way, to love our neighbor as ourselves. And Paul is so bold to say that we love our neighbors as ourselves. And by the way, if you don't love yourself, you're not going to love anybody else. And the grounds for loving yourself is based on God's opinion of you. You are precious in his sight. He gave his son's life on your behalf. And you can measure the value of a thing by what one is willing to pay for it. And God was willing to give that which was most precious up for your redemption and for mine. And so I can boast in the truth that I am loved. And because I am loved by God, I really need not be loved by anyone else, although that is nice. But when I have that kind of assurance in him that I am loved, then I can risk loving you. I am capacitated to love you. You are capacitated to love me. Because by his spirit, God's love has been poured into our hearts. Now, there's a second movement in the text, and I've already touched on it lightly. The verse, the verse 11 reads this way. This is the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Uh, there is so much energy in uh, periods like this when uh, society is going through an upheaval and the prognosticators come out and the last day teachers come out and the theological word is eschatology, the doctrine of last things. And everybody has an opinion about that. And they spent, in my opinion, far too much time trying to read the signs of the time and paying too uh, too too short, uh, their attention span is far too short when it comes to 
thinking about how swiftly this life passes by and how suddenly Jesus Christ will come. Thinking back over 60 plus years of ministry, I have officiated at over 200 memorial services. And I have yet to hear anyone say, oh, he lived way too long. But I have often heard, oh, life was too short. And so recently, Mona passed away in her 80s. Tuesday, I will have a memorial service for Caroline, who passed away in her 50s. A few years back, I had a memorial service for Randy, who passed away in his early 30s. One of the first services I officiated over was for Michael, who passed away in his teens. And I shall never forget baby Robert, who died as an infant a couple of days old. You see, for them, even at 80 years, which I am now, time passed swiftly. And the time is urgent. And the urgency is this, that I love, I love others profoundly. It's urgent that I think soberly about life. And if nothing else, COVID has been a blessing in that it has caused us to think more soberly about life. Jesus taught this. He says, as it was in the day of Noah, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man when he reappears. They'll be eating and drinking, uh, marrying, giving in marriage, and life will go on uh, as it normally does. We are discovering, are we not, a a new normal. We're wearing our masks, trying to be obedient to that. We're doing the things that they're asking us to do with social distancing. And it doesn't take very long until we just get into the rut of doing life in a normal way. And in Peter's day, they were saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, they've been promising the coming of Christ. And Peter responds this way. He says, God is not slack concerning his promises, but he is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. Your work, God's work, my work, is proclaiming the good news that Jesus saves. You have opportunities today afforded you because people are scared to death. They're frightened. But we can be fearless because we know whom we have believed. And we are persuaded that he's able to keep that which we've committed to him against that day. We anticipate his coming. But in the meanwhile, we work for the night is coming when man works no more. And so I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying to me and saying to you, it's time to wake up. It's your time. It's your time to love in a a, a way that is way beyond the normal, in a profound way, the way God has loved you. I hear the Spirit saying it's time to look at life soberly, to think soberly, 
Life is short. It soon passes. And the only thing that really lasts is what we do for Jesus Christ. And then a final thought from the text. Uh, in the 12th verse, he says, the night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes. Put on the shining armor of right living because we belong to the day. We must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties, drunkenness, or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, close yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Finally, I believe it's time, it's our time to behave appropriately. And what does that look like? I would illustrate it this way. One of the big fears in our remodel over here is what this building has been in the past. It uh, was a chicken ranch. And so they processed eggs here. They had some chickens here. And when we first opened that building, it really smelled like chicken manure. It was not pleasant to walk through that building. But as we've worked and worked and worked and we've been able to power wash some things, it doesn't smell as bad as it did. One of the great fears in our demolition on uh, Friday night was that uh, we were concerned about mice droppings. We're working overhead. You pull the, the ceiling down and all this yucky stuff drops down from the ceiling. So we got our masks on. We've got goggles on or glasses on to protect our eyes, ball cap on so it doesn't get in our hair. But we were a stinking mess when it was all over. But we kind of had a modified has, hazmat outfit. We have the glasses, we've got the mask, and we've got some covering gloves. But there is filth all around us. Do you understand that you live in a world that is morally and spiritually like chicken manure? It's like mouse droppings. And as you walk through this world, uh, you, <laughs> you take on some of its smell. You uh, take on some of its habits. I do. And I have to contend, ag contend against those things. And so what I believe is that there is the necessity of a shower. So Friday night, uh, I went home. Uh, I got in the shower and I uh, scrubbed up. I got out, toweled off, put on my bed clothes. Uh, I needed a shower. I needed to get rid of the stink. For a number of years, uh, I was in the roofing profession and I ran uh, hot roofing crews. And we worked around asphalt tar kittles. Now, you've smelled those things. They really stink. And when you work around them all day, it gets in your clothes. It gets in your your your, your lungs. And you just smell terrible. Uh, however, if we had a rainy season and I'd been off work for two or three weeks and the weather cleared up and I would fire up that kettle, it just smelled wonderful because there's going to be a payday coming, because we can work now. And so uh, the smell provided opportunity. Can you understand that? 
that the stench of this world provides opportunity, opportunity for us. And so the process, once again, was uh, 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 cleansing ourselves. And so John writes, and he says, uh, I write to you, uh, beloved brothers, that you sin not. And prior to that, he said, if any man, any person says that he has no sin, he is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then he adds, Dear, dearly beloved, I, I write to you that you sin not, but if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is a satisfaction for our sins, but not our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. And so the invitation always is to come and honesty and confession and repentance. God, I need the cleansing work of the Lord Jesus Christ in my life. That's not a one-time event. That's a daily event in all of our lives. If, if, if we're going to occupy our time as God would have us. If we're going to be, uh, uh, live appropriately in this present world. The last phrase of this text tells us to put on Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, you cannot love profoundly. Without Jesus, you nor I can think soberly. Without Jesus, none of us, none of us can behave appropriately. But the glorious good news is Jesus is our Redeemer. He is our Savior. He is our advocate. And so what I'd like to do as I conclude this morning with a prayer. And I'd like for you, if you would like to do this, uh, you might pray this prayer after me. I want it to be a prayer of confession, a prayer of repentance, and a prayer of consecration, a renewal of our commitment to Jesus Christ to answer the alarm. It's our time. So would you pray this with me? Lord Jesus, I bow before you. I recognize that it's so easy to be stained by the sins of this world and for it somehow to get inside of me. I confess that it's easy to be self-centered and love others only when they're loving. Uh, it's easy to lose focus and not take my opportunities as seriously as I should and to think soberly in life. And so I ask your forgiveness. Also, many times I fail to live appropriately before a watching world. And I ask your forgiveness and your strength Today, I put on Jesus Christ and uh, I offer myself to you, the one who has offered all to me. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.